0: This is Dennis McNally, and you're listening to a Pantheon podcast. Keep on trucking.
1: Is there a library, a bookstore around here where I get books on rock and roll? Rock and roll. Story's true. Well, have you read this one? This is a story that needs
0: to be told.
1: Please. Rock and rollers want something to read.
0: Hey, everybody welcome back to another edition of the rock and roll librarian uh, with me today welcome shelly Sorensen.
2: thank you i'm glad to be here
0: well i virtually.
2: Mean, yeah i'm glad to be in my my little my office now i have a little home studio so it's really yeah. fun i get yeah. to record music and do podcasts and read books and
0: all kinds of fun. fun stuff, yeah, right, right. It's yeah. uh, your own special space, Yes, very cool. Uh, and um I think uh, this might be the last time that we have to do this. I hope so, because uh, it, yeah.
2: Yeah. We're hearing, we hear phantom noises. We, <laughs> we don't always, get.
0: There's always cues a process from to get it going. Right, yeah. right. Right.
2: But at least this way I can see your face while we're talking.
0: Yeah. 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 So at, at least the zoom thing helped uh, a bit for that. Uh, and we're all happy for that. But uh, at the <laughs> same time, it's always best if we, um, you know, are together in the same room and, uh, you know, making uh, this uh, together uh, without uh, the aid of uh, some technology because we're forced into it due to a I don't know worldwide pandemic. Yeah,
2: but it's 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 made me learn. You know, it, it it's forced me to learn a lot of things I didn't know before, and I'm using my my new um, Podcaster Essentials um, AKG microphone and headphones that cool. I was gifted I, I, by the company.
0: I love how you were, you smoothly transitioned into uh, to that. Wow. You're like a, a native uh, uh, expert ad reader uh, here. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yes. Yes. Uh, t- uh, tell me about this. Well how do I look in the headphones tool. first it's oh, most, most important fantastic. is how do I look yes yes of course of course i i can barely see them it's uh you know they're uh, they're uh, enmeshed in your uh, your hair there yeah and uh, they actually the color uh, is very close to uh, your natural hair
2: right <laughs> which is still natural
0: yeah what yeah. Are, what, are, what are those headphones so what's the what's the model They're the memory? uh
2: hmm, akg k300 series headphones oh it's and almost like actually you practiced. i used i use the headphones all the time yeah the yeah. microphone i'm I, I just use for podcasting but yes. um because i haven't yeah. quite figured out how to use it for singing uh-huh. um but uh but anyway, yeah, you I will, like,
0: you will yeah. figure it out. Oh, in fact, I believe we uh, we learned some things about it today while we were getting ready, right? We did. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I've been using the microphone for a while on Zoom, and and Christian just um, gave me a little tutorial <laughs> on what all the dials and buttons are.
0: But, yeah, 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 it's a, it is quite a powerful little tool uh, for the price point. Let me tell you, USB. Uh, direct into your computer. No outboard gear needed. You don't need, uh, you know, a, a preamp or uh, any of that. In fact, it comes with preamp and compressor already in the electronics of the device. You just plug it right into your computer and you're good to go.
2: Yeah, it's it's true. I, I was so confused at first. It's like, because it was so simple, just plug it in the usb port oh oh that's all i don't have to have an extra little gizmo or anything like that
0: no 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 very nice and of course it has a headphone jack directly on it and you uh you plugged your headphones into that jack right i did yep Yep. and there we have it and it's working perfectly
2: yeah Um, debuting with my this podcast which is about a very special person i've discovered.
0: Yeah, yeah, so yeah. let's uh let's dive into it. Uh who is our subject today?
2: Well, hallelujah. hallelujah.
0: We're going to be talking
2: about sister Rosetta tharp
0: Praise Jesus.
2: Yes. Wow. And she is a fantastic um uh kind of precursor what we, what Christian say we call the precursors to rock and roll.
1: Yeah.
2: Um and she was uh, a gospel singer and a, a kick-ass guitar player and she mostly sang religious music but with so much rhythm and uh swing that you know it really sounds a lot like rock and roll
0: yeah uh, it's yeah. uh you know i i think everybody would agree uh that she is one of the influential pillars of uh early rock and roll i mean we we know for a fact that she uh um you know um discovered Little Richard, uh, for example, uh, at a very young age, uh, and I think gave him his first paid gig, if I remember opening for her, mm-hmm. uh, you know, had influenced Elvis and uh, Jerry Lee. And, you know, that original cast of uh, rock and rollers all knew who Sister Rosetta Tharp was.
2: They did. And Johnny Cash uh, uh, said uh, that he she was his favorite singer when he was young.
0: Yeah, so, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and uh, it's important to uh, to point out and I'm sure that uh this will come up uh, over and over in this uh this uh, episode uh that um you know gospel um is just as much uh in the DNA of rock and roll as blues and country uh are and yes. especially the early uh stuff and uh and in fact uh, while Sister Rosetta Tharp pretty much maintained the sectarian side of things uh she delved into pop but not to the extent of somebody like ray charles who basically took gospel and really secularized it and um you know made the lyrics uh yeah. something uh not um best for a sunday uh, church service huh
2: yeah we'll get there <laughs> yeah so the book i read um is called shout sister shout the untold story of rock and roll trailblazer sister Rosetta Tharp. And it was written by Gail F. Wald in 2007. And she uh, is a professor of American studies at George Washington University and writes uh, for the Journal of Popular Music Studies in addition to various other things. Uh, The book was very interesting and full of you know, background and and uh kind of what was happening uh historically and in, in society at the time she was coming up and what exactly her influence was. And she makes a great case for the fact that Rosetta Tharp was um was really a linchpin for rock and roll. And so we'll we'll go into that. Um, I, she's also known as the godmother of rock and roll, which is very apt being, you know, a religious person. And um, I thought we would start with a kind of a melange of one of the songs that she, um, that she sang throughout her career, um, which is called This Train, And um, it's actually known these days as the song that inspired Bruce Springsteen's Land of Hope and Dreams, uh, which has a refrain about this train. And actually I used to sing this this song in the preschool story hour too. You can change the lyrics so they don't sound real Jesus-y, but of course hers are are, uh, quite religious. So we're gonna play uh, an early version of the song, and then fade into a little bit later version that has more of that swing and rhythm that that we feel you know was a was an influence of rock and roll.
0: yeah, I think uh, most people will uh, pick up on they they know they've heard this song in various English. yeah,
2: it's a folk song, uh, yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. so all right, okay.
0: so let's start off with uh, a little uh, sister Rosetta Tharp and this train.
1: This Train is a clean train, this train This Train is a clean train, this train This Train is a clean train Everybody ride it in Jesus' name This train is a clean train This train This train is a clean train Lord, this train This train, I snapped the station You know this train This train, I stopped the station I said this train This train, I stopped the station This train on every nation because it's strange
0: okay I, I see why you picked the two different versions uh, very good um uh first of all uh, she's quite the picker uh you know so that stands out immediately uh, she's not just uh, holding the guitar and strumming it or, or anything she's actually a guitar player yeah uh, and uh, you know the first one definitely is uh a little more traditional, a little old school, uh, you know, uh, and there's definitely a little bit more meat to, uh, to the second version, uh, here. Yeah. Um, so. uh, as
2: we'll find later in a lot of her real, um, kind of, uh, energetic versions of songs, um, there will be a boogie woogie piano player behind mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. And it's not always the same one, but that, uh, we'll talk about later, um, really adds to the, to the rhythm right, of the song. Right. And she's got that on the second, ver- the second version that we played. Um, so All right. She was, well, let's, uh, uh,
0: let's, let's go back to the beginning. And, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, I know she was born in 1915 in the, uh, yeah, the wonderful uh, state of uh, Arkansas, uh, I believe. Uh, uh, in cotton plant, cotton plant, Arkansas. Yeah. Yes. Oh, sounds like utopia for yeah. a. uh, <laughs> Black person in nineteen
2: fifteen. Yes. Her her mother, um Katie, who was uh, a preacher and a singer also, uh, she's known as uh later known as Katie Bell Newbin Newbin, and her father Willis uh raised Rosetta on a farm in humble circumstances, and they were but they were all um, members of the Pentecostalist uh the Pentecostal f- Sect of the church, um, so they both played. Uh, that both parents played and sang uh, in the in the choir, and um, and the, um, the working class and laborer class blacks were drawn to the Pentecostal church, which uh, stressed clean living, no gambling, no alcohol or tobacco, no social dancing however the the worshipers affirmed the baptism through the gift of tongues, so these are the this is the church that was known as uh the holy rollers throughout the that was kind of a a humorous and I think they used it about themselves too um it was the the hub of the black community with roots in black america that it she the author says that this was one of the um Really, Native American, Native Black American churches, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the music was lively, joyful, commun- and communal. And uh, they sang and they played uh, every instrument that they had available: trumpets, tambourines, um, shouted, and you know, carried on. And that those all were expressions of faith, especially in the sect. Which was called Church of God in Christ or Kojic. Um, and they uh, absorbed all the native uh, Black American blues work songs into their hymns and spirituals, giving the old hymns and spirituals more spirit and swing. And um, unlike some other pre- Protestant uh, traditions, the the faithful were encouraged to use as much of their bodies and their music and their and their song as possible and as loudly as possible because that showed how much they loved god um and she that's what i do when
0: i go to a rock concert yeah
2: i mean i think it's personally i think it's just about the same yeah uh So she was starting to play the piano on her mother's lap at age three. And by age six, she was already playing the guitar, which wasn't a quarter size guitar at the time. They they just had one kind of guitar, I think.
0: Full size, right.
2: Yeah. Now, in an interesting twist of the usual story, the mother took um, Rosie and left their father uh, Rose, Rosetta's father when Rosetta was only six, because Katie, the mother, wanted to be a preacher. And you couldn't be a preacher and be a female preacher and be married at the same time. So they joined thousands of other Southern Blacks on a migration north to Chicago.
0: Yeah, the Great um, Migration.
2: That's right. And gospel developed also in Chicago in between the two wars. They joined the largest Kojic church, which was called 40th Street, and um, followed the mandate to praise God with all manner of musical instruments. They had a phrase in this church, rock, church, rock, which says it all. Yeah. And as one church elder said, the devil should not be allowed to keep all this good rhythm. Which I agree <laughs>
0: with, <laughs> except, for the um, tri- except for the tritone. He can he 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 gets to keep the tritone. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and in this church also, um, women performers predominated. So there were a lot of women singers and instrumentalists in the Kojic um, sect. So because Rosie could play the guitar, she could accompany herself singing, which was unusual. Um, especially for women. And she could perform as a soloist from the start. She had a big voice and a two big guitar and she and the other Pentecostal children um, enjoyed, you know, music in the church, but they were not allowed to do the, to go to movies or concerts or clubs or anything like that. Luckily the music they had in the church was super good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so They they express they all expressed their joy for Jesus in the church. And so I thought we could play a song called There is Something Within Me, which is one of her first recorded songs, you know, later on. Obviously, her songs weren't being really recorded during that time. And um, and this song expresses that feeling of, you know, I have Jesus within me and I want to express it to the world. So let's take a listen.
1: Oh, have you that something, that burning desire? Oh, have you that something that never does try? Now if you have it, that heavenly fire, then let the world know. Praise God there's something within
2: evidence of her picking capabilities yes um for sure
0: yeah in between the uh, lines uh, she's pretty much picking a, a little uh, a little melody
2: yeah and that's uh something that she brought to the table you know for because that wasn't really done um much i don't know who else did it but it wasn't done very much before she did it
0: mm-hmm. um so um well the guitar was kind of more of an accompaniment uh, instrument uh, up until about this time now it begins it's starting to become a little bit more of a lead instrument. Uh, and you know, uh, as we see, it becomes the lead instrument in the next incarnation of music, rock and roll,
2: yeah, especially in her hands.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so um they uh soon after they moved to Chicago, they had she and her mother head out on uh, what was called the gospel highway. Um, and she. Uh, developed an outrageous fun personality. And um, even though she wasn't particularly beautiful, though, I think, you know, she was just ordinary looking. um, She had a huge, a a huge smile that really attracted people. And she developed her uh, patter and her charisma um, through a lot of performing in very you know, not always ideal situations. So they would go to the gospel highway was a loose conglomeration of churches, revivals, and tent meetings. And Katie preached and joined Rosie while she was singing and playing the guitar. The tradition of these Pentecostalist singer-guitarists, one example of somebody like that is Blind Willie McTell, Mm-hmm. Who I actually heard Jesse Colin Young talk about on his podcast, <clears throat> tripping on my roots. Tripping right. on my roots. I think yep. that was one of his first ones, uh-huh. um, saying that Blind Willie McTell was one of his influences when he was a child. Um, of course, the guitars were portable, so they, you know, could carry the guitar around and you know do all their singing and, and entertaining and preaching, um, but. Unfortunately, she had to end her education around sixth grade so that they could go out and they made actually pretty good money during the depression doing that. So uh, they traveled through her late years until she got married pretty early to another a preacher in her own faith named Thomas J. Tharp, which is where she got her name. I think that's the only good thing that she got from this guy. She married him in 1934 and started traveling with him. This was kind of started a, a pattern in her life where she got together with men, maybe thinking that they, like not having a lot of faith in her own ability to stand up to people. you know, like she had she felt like she had to have a man, and it was maybe possibly more of a business arrangement than a romance. And later in their uh, you know, couple years. They were only married for a little while because he started uh, beating her and having an affair on the side. Mm. And um, they actually lived in Miami for a while, um, where they played often in a church. And one of her, one of the congregants, says that one of the best uh, songs that they remember her singing was one called "Sit Down." which is an up-tempo favorite about being so filled with the Holy Spirit. She used to sing these songs at Sunday night programs, which were broadcast on a white radio station, causing the white people in Miami to come to broadcasts at the temple, and they started to charge admission. But the churchgoers kind of felt put down by the white uh, people who came to, to view the Um, the services because they thought they were kind of got this feeling like we're also the entertainment, like they're sitting up there kind of laughing at us because we're, you know, we're the holy rollers and we're filled with the spirit and stuff like that. So um, anyway, let's listen to sit down. This is her, her very um, enthusiastic story of, how she just got to heaven and she can't sit down (laughs) because she's so excited to be in heaven. Oh,
0: so it's a party going on is what's happening. Oh, I got it.
2: It's a party going on in heaven. That's my idea of
0: heaven. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So let's listen to that.
1: Why don't you sit down? I can't sit down sit down i told you i can't sit down go away don't bother me i can't sit down because i just got to heaven and i can't sit
0: down wow that's cool that um i've never heard that before uh in fact i yeah you look you were grooving there learn a lot on this one I, i you know i mean i know who sister rosetta tharp is you know i've seen videos of kind of Researched a bit of her story, especially early on when we were doing the uh the very early rock and roll, but that was uh six years ago so but um uh you know she was just you know one of the the pillars that that, that the music that we're focusing on um, uh is built upon so um but boy she's uh that's a little barn burner there with a the guitar uh you know she's uh she's ripping it up yeah she was yeah a rocker. yeah yeah she was a yeah finally inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame in 2018 uh definitely, yeah, definitely a miss that the hall uh you know was making up for we've seen a bit of that uh recently in the last couple of years so uh, uh and in fact uh, i don't know if you saw the list that uh, just came out here a couple of weeks ago of the potential inductees but uh wow it's uh pretty diverse uh this year um so, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, it appears they're making progress, put it that way. Go Good
2: digging into the back catalog, at uh, a you or? know, uh, you
0: just, uh, you know, uh, a lot more women, a lot more African-Americans, um, uh, being recognized, uh, and things like that. So they are bringing some of these, uh, folks that, uh, did get missed. I, I don't remember if any are on this particular list, but, uh, you know, definitely getting sister Rosetta Tharp in just a couple of years ago was, uh, yes huge that, that, that was important yeah, yeah. And, and inducted Very. by britney howard uh you know certainly a you know a goddaughter of uh of her uh anybody mm-hmm. would, uh, would agree to that but uh yeah all right all right so uh so she's kicking it around uh she's made the migration yep. north uh she's on the uh uh the radio she's on the radio she's uh doing the gospel circuit as opposed to the chitlin circuit uh yep
2: and uh-huh. then, somehow, around 1938, she left the church for a secular career in New York oh City. Oh, my God. Oh, you didn't see that company, you? No, did I did you? not
0: see that company. Okay.
2: <laughs> she was spurred by promises and accolades of white people that came to the church to hear her sing, as well as probably her marital problems that she was trying to get away yeah. from, and the pull yeah. of money. Um, of course, the people of the church were hurt, and she came to regret this later, uh, as she said, or somebody said, uh, the people in New York City and in the um, business of music were not as warm and friendly and as and inviting as her her brothers and brothers and sisters in the church. Um, and but this was the beginning of her new identity as Sister Rosetta Tharp. That, that got solidified at this All time. Right. And she became a DECA recording artist. It's kind of unclear. Uh, they, it can't really be explained exactly how she made the leap from the Miami Pentecostal Church to the Cotton Club in New York City. Only she was bold enough to bring gospel to New York concert halls and nightclubs. And as the author said, she went from Cotton Plant, Arkansas, to the Cotton Club, New York, from one racially and socially stratified place to another. Because I didn't know this, I don't remember, I must have seen the movie about the Cotton Club, but um, the theme at the Cotton Club was Antebellum South and black people were not actually allowed to attend concerts there. There was black performances, but only white uh, people were in the audience. And even though this was true, some of the proudest black performers performed there, such as Duke Ellington, who said it was important because the shows were broadcast on the radio and heard nationally and internationally. Mm. So he got a lot of, you know, airplay, but it must have been galling, you know, for these people. Um, So she was originally billed for two weeks as filler between the big acts, but the audience were thrilled by her unusual sound and style. Her name started appearing in newspapers in October, 1938. So that was kind of the the month and the year that a lot of stuff happened for her. She got some of her her, um, songs, which she had arranged like spirituals and hymns um, that she had arranged, published in a book uh, called 18 Original Negro Spirituals. And many of these songs would remain in her repertoire for 35 mm-hmm. years. And, and that month, she also signed a record deal with Decca Records, um, which at the time was the label of Bing Crosby and Guy Lombardo. Oh, big deal. So big stuff. That was kind of odd at the time, yep. but later became the label for Louis Armstrong, Count Basie, and Ella mm-hmm. Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Um, they recorded several 78s, which uh, Decca actually pulled into... An album, which was unusual for Black artists. They didn't do that, generally speaking, to pull the um, 78s. But the, the 78s that were produced were an instant success. She showed exquisite phrasing, inventive vocal techniques, and original, confident guitar playing, which were all honed during her previous years of performing. Her vocals made use of vibrato, trills, enunciation, dynamics, and melisma. If you guys don't know what melisma is, that's what Sam Cooke is famous for. And it's quite common in gospel music, kind of running through several notes on the way to another note. Um, And she sang quite like blues and jazz vocalists um, around the notes, rhythmically syncopated rather than straight on. One of her first songs on Decca was That's All, which she sang throughout her career which was a rewritten blues number and a funny take on religious posers like her husband, Hmm. AKA ministers who are really only interested in the
0: the money and the monks. Yeah. We see a lot of that today. Don't we? Uh, Yes. If you have a private jet. Yeah. You ain't about the flock. If you live in
2: a, (laughs) I was going to say, I have a private, you live in a
0: mansion and drive a Rolls Royce. Yeah. You ain't about the flock. You know, it's, yeah, uh, it's, I know this whole,
2: how, how do people get pulled into that? Like, why does that person get to have all that money? You it's, know, it's, and it's, what it's, are they doing? It's, to a, get legal the money? Oh, it's it a legal from scam. They're It's just a legal scam.
0: Legal scam. Uh, yeah. you know, what's, uh, uh, I, 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 I've always, I've been fascinated by this since I was a kid, but from the time I was a kid, I would look at these people and go, that's, that's a charlatan. That's, uh, that, that, you know, that, I mean, yeah. Uh, you know it's not real why, why do people think mm-hmm. it's real it's it's all ridiculousness
2: well well let's hear rosetta's take that's one. all because she has a few things to that's say that's all about i gotta say
0: that's all all right yeah what's the song we right, listen to let's listen to
2: that's all
1: you the natural facts that a man don't understand the good book right and that's all that's all he's got to have religion now I tell you that's all now when you see people jump from church to church you know that their confession don't amount to much and that's all yeah that's all They've got to have more love, more understanding every day of their lives, and that's all.
2: And that's the song that Britney power um played at the
0: rock and roll hall of fame
2: at the um rock and roll hall of fame induction i
0: like her her voice is kind of matured uh by this time uh sister rosetta tharp i mean uh with this song uh you know (laughs) there's a real maturity to her voice as you were kind of explaining here before we played it Uh, that's very cool
2: yeah so I don't know if you remember when we talked about Robert Johnson, um, he died what? just before what? John Hammond. <laughs> he died just before John Hammond put on the concert from Spirituals to Swing. And they featured a couple of Robert Johnson's yeah. songs in the concert. Well, Rosetta was invited to sing at the very same concert, which was uh, John Hammond trying to, bring into the light, you know, traditional African-American music. Yep. And um, she sang two songs with her guitar. Um, one of them was That's All, which we just heard. And the other one was, is a song called Rock Me. And the version that I want to play of Rock Me, it's, you know, it's very difficult um, in the age of streaming music to find good liner notes, which in the library world, we call metadata um, about which like where exactly this was performed and or, you know, because she has an album full of live music. But I believe this is the recording from that concert. And it features the boogie woogie piano um, of Albert Ammons, which who was a famous boogie woogie piano player. And um, she went over really big at this concert. Um, so uh, let's listen to this. It sounds a little echoey because it's being recorded in a big concert yeah. hall probably with not the best um, equipment. But I think you'll get a sense of how, uh, how she sounded yeah. live. Oh, Rock Me.
0: I know uh, this song, this. yeah.
2: All right. Yeah. So this is uh, we're going to listen to Rock Me right now.
0: um there's it, a lot of echo uh reverb uh going on uh, there um uh you know cheap old school sound okay. systems and uh uh big concert halls uh that's probably from the Carnegie Hall um uh there. Yeah
2: that was it yeah band. uh
0: but uh still great song
2: yeah To get out of the Cotton Club situation, um, somebody opened a nightclub in Greenwich Village in 1940 called the Cafe Society, specifically to counter the racial segregation of the Cotton Club. And John Hammond booked the talent for this uh, club, which included uh, Lena Horne, Billie Holiday, Art Tatum, people like that. And, um, And he produced many of them, including Rosetta, Um, The the audience and audiences included the black cultural and political elite like Langston Hughes and Richard Wright, plus um, white intellectuals. And it offered her a stage to promote and perform her DECA material. During this time, she joined Lucky Melander's band. He was kind of a Cab Calloway type band leader. So this was a swing band, which she joined. And she agreed to perform her spirituals in an upbeat manner, but soon started adding secular blues to her repertoire, which changed her from preacherly to the role of girl swing band vocalist. Huh. One of the um, songs which she did, which was quite famous um, is called shout sister shout, which this book was named after. And um, I mean, it's funny to hear this after we've been hearing all this gospel music, because she really does do the girl swing band vocalist quite well. And soon they started playing a regular gig at the Savoy, which was the world's greatest ballroom in Harlem, where where dancers went to show off their moves and the bands vied for, kind of competed for which one was the favorite band to dance to. And so she performed there also, and her showbiz edge uh, made her appeal to audiences during the musical competitions. And and this is when she started having an occasional drink, um, you know, which uh, her mother didn't know about, but she felt like was you know a little bit of loosening of the strict morals of the church. So let's listen to "Shout, Sister Shout." This has one of my favorite. Lyrics of all time in it. And I'll tell you what on, it is. On the backside. All right, let's get to it. Yeah. So Shout Sister Shout with the Lucky Melander Orchestra. Shout,
1: sister, shout. Shout, sister, shout. Shout, sister, shout. Tell the whole world what it's all about. for a molar, a reason for a dimple but there ain't no reason why a man's so simple Shout,
0: sister,
1: shout. Yeah.
0: shout, sister, okay that shout, has that big 1940s you know radio hit sound uh to it you know with the guys in the background going shout sister shout doo-doo, doo-doo, doo-doo. <rising microwave> yep, <inhale-blowing> yep. all right so now yeah. what was uh what was oh. that you were going to add
2: There's a reason for a mole. There's a reason for a dimple, but there ain't no reason why a man's so simple. (laughs) Oh, yes. sir. I don't know. I'm like, there's a reason for, I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but it it rhymes and it's funny. Yes. Simple and
0: simple definitely rhymes, but
2: (laughs) yeah, no, I mean, but it's just funny. It's like they have nothing to do with each other, but that, but to get to the point where a man is so simple, that's the important thing.
0: Yeah. 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 Very (laughs) funny.
2: Oh God. Anyway. Um, so let's see. Um, so during this time she recorded both with Lucky Melander and as a solo gospel act. Because she liked doing her solo gospel thing because she had more control over it. Whereas Lucky was, you know, you sing this, you sing that. So in 1943, she walked out on Melander to devote her career to gospel music and pursue a divorce so that she could remarry. Ah, (laughs) So she was like a serial marrier. even though she recommitted to gospel, she still performed at the same venues. So she was really um blurring that line. Like she would not only performed with a swing band, but when she went back to gospel, she, report- she performed her religious music in the same places that she had performed her secular music. So, I mean, that was very unusual for the time. People didn't perform gospel in nightclubs. Yeah. You know, that was... Just well there were supposed
0: to be, you know, there was you know you uh you danced and partied on Saturday night and you went to church on Sunday morning.
2: Yep. Now we're going to move in very quickly to another song because this next song was released in the spring of 1944 and was the biggest hit of her career. It was written by Rosetta and the Decca house band which included the boogie-woogie piano player, Sam Price. He played with her quite a bit from that time on. This song um, is known for crossing over to the race charts and uh, spent 11 weeks on the race charts, which which later became R&B charts. Yeah. And the boogie-woogie piano player, Sam Price, first he wouldn't play with her until she used a capo and tuned her guitar properly because up until now she had been using what was known as the vestapol open tuning, which was a Southern folk tuning um, that she, that she started out with. So she had to learn to retune the guitar and use a capo to, um, to get into key with the band. I, don't, I guess she didn't really play the guitar with Lucky Melander, Anyway, his influence is one of the reasons the song has been credited as one of the first rock and roll songs. This is an example of gospel becoming R&B, of dance music pared down to the essentials, stripped of all but a rhythm section and a powerful voice. And it should be noted that this song had a second life in the 1950s because there was a rumor that Jerry Lee Lewis wanted to record it So her version played a lot on the radio. He never did record it, but he sang it at his audition before Sam Phillips. Lewis was also raised a Pentecostal and had seen her perform. He said in an interview, she's singing religious music, but she is singing rock and roll. She jumps it. She is hitting that guitar. And some say that actually her guitar playing influenced Jerry Lee Lewis's piano playing. The name of the song is Strange Things Happening Every Day. So let's listen to Strange Things Happening Every Day.
1: If you want to view the crime, You must learn to quit your line There are strange things Happening every day If you hear right to the line You can live right all the time. There are swings, things happening.
0: killer little guitar them. solo there, uh, you know, or early incarnation, uh, you know, playing on those uh high-rise frets uh that uh, you would get in those uh, those times but um straight through uh but that's uh, steel string and all that um it's happening.
2: I bet she has shed had good calluses on I her fingers. Bet.
0: Gotta push them <laughs> strings down. The acoustic guitar yeah, the action, the action yeah. was high in those days. So yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. I know, tried that before. That's hard to do. Um, And uh, I think, well, we also, we uh, mentioned that Elvis loved her um, guitar picking and singing and Johnny Cash was uh, also a fan. Um, In uh, 1946, she teamed up with another, a female gospel singer, a younger woman named Marie Knight. Um and they were a duo for a few years and were very popular in the on the gospel in the gospel world. Um, and um i I actually love their them together. actually, Marie Knight had this a more um, alto like kind of rich, velvety, smooth alto. Mm-hmm. And Rosetta has this kind of flat, piercing soprano, especially when she sings with Marie and um, they got a contract with DECA. Um, their first hit was a gospel song called Didn't It Rain, which was a bluesy song accompanied by the Sam Price Trio, so same piano player. <clears throat> um, I like this one because they um, they just like seamlessly kind of interweave their vocals with each other And um, as the author says, they rebound their voices off one another, making it hard to know who is singing lead. Sam put a lot of that rock and roll behind the tempo and the song ascended the billboard race charts. There was a magic in the combination of Rosetta and Marie, which I agree. So let's listen to Didn't It Rain. This is a very um, listening heavy podcast because I just love her <laughs> well, i love her music and you guys yeah have we to need hear to it.
0: expose more people to uh you know these pillars that uh, these foundational pillars of uh, the music that we all love uh nowadays and um you know uh, a, a lot of these folks were forgotten for a long long time uh and yeah. uh it's nice to see them be included into the overall uh story arc
2: yeah and i hope I hope this brings more fans Mm -hmm. her way. So, this is a Didn't It Rain?
1: No land, nowhere in sight Thoughts sent a raven to bring the news He hushed his wings and away he flew Just I minute. said it rain, you I know it rain, rain. Oh, i rain. rain, rain too long My, rain, rain all day. all day, rain all night, in all rain, night. Rain. In all rain, rain, in all my
0: I love those old recordings where you know everybody's playing live in the room. uh you, you yeah. know you can hear you know Sister Rosetta get up on the mic and she does her verse, and then she's backing off and and doing the hype for for uh for Marie, you know back and yeah. forth uh, between the two of them it's it's kind of cool to, uh, and, and yes, you're absolutely right. The two voices blend really nicely,
1: yeah,
2: i I really love them. We're actually going to listen to another song that mm-hmm. they did together. So they toured in the late 40s with other gospel bands like the Dixie Hummingbirds. Mm -hmm. And as the author says, tours of biblical proportions.
0: (laughs) Of course, right.
2: But, um, you know, and they were fancy. The gospel shows that people wearing awesome gowns and wigs and, you know, real, like really fancy. And the racial segregation, that was obviously a problem. Because they were touring uh, in the South, and they still needed to be careful with regard to restaurants and hotels and other facilities in the South. Um, By this point, she's touring with an electric guitar, Mm -hmm. which feature in her recording starting in late 1947. Um, Her expressive singing was better suited to electric guitar with its sustain, and she had to deal with huge rooms of shouting parishioners. So when she was in the gospel arena, it really helped her, um, you know, gain the attention because people were like falling out, you know, and yelling and shouting and joining in and all that stuff. So she really needed to be... um, be heard. The, another um, big commercial hit, which is a familiar church song, became their signature duet and got to number six on the race chart in 1948. Um, it's called Up Above My Head. Uh, as the author says, it anticipates 60 Soul, 60s Soul. The song leaves the sanctified church behind and charts a straight course towards RB. And the the author also says she plays her heart out on this one. And this one, Up Above My Head, was recorded by Elvis Presley, um, who was influenced by Rosetta. And it was on his album in 1968 as Comeback Special
0: Album. Oh so if yeah. If you'd
2: like to yep. hear Elvis sing it, uh, you can catch it there.
0: All right, up above my head. So
2: here is the song Up Above My Head. <laughs>
0: Oh, praise Jesus. That's yeah. okay. I, I, I love
2: can do that it. because it's like up above my head, I hear music in the yeah. air. I mean, to me, boy, if I had been born into that church, I would have been totally A different
0: person religious. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I mean, to me, that's, that's what religion is. You know, I mean, it like, you express it that way yeah. and, you know, find, you know, not everybody, but, uh, So yeah, she, um, she's amazing. There's a couple chapters in the book all about her guitar playing, um, which I thought I would just touch on. Um, The the author uh, says that she and T-Bone Walker are the two people who really invented an electric guitar sound that was not simply an imitation of the acoustic. She made that guitar talk was an oft-heard comment which conveys how she transformed the guitar into an extension of herself. Mm-hmm. Within the gospel world, her playing was exceptional. Um, when Chuck Berry appeared on the scene, for example, people in the gospel world had already heard it. Um, she had a technical prowess coupled with an emotional connection which paralleled the Pentecostal practice of speeching in tongues. So Um, She used her body and her face, and she really like poured her soul and her feeling into the guitar. And um, as the author says, well before the guitar gods of more recent decades made a fetish of the guitar solo as an orgiastic expression of male sexual libido, Rosetta perfected the art of the guitar as an instrument of rapture beyond words. And often people talked about her guitar playing and would say she could play like a man, which I find galling, um, because she had characteristics that people associated with masculinity. But, um, and then she would often, like when she was on these gospel tours, she would invite the guitar players, the male guitar players from other bands onto stage to battle with her.
0: Nice. So she she felt pretty comfortable and confident. Right, right. Yeah.
2: So um one song um I realized um I needed a song that you could really hear her electric guitar uh playing in and how she 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 inserts the fills in between her phrases and um and uses it like that and then pours her heart into the solo. Uh, even though we've kind of heard that already. But this one, um, which is called Every Time I Feel the Spirit. And I thought we could uh, listen to it and hear a couple of her guitar solos. But you can also hear her doing the fills, you know, in between her vocals. So this is called Every Time I Feel the Spirit.
1: On the mountain, my God spoke out of his mouth came Yeah,
2: that's some awesome picking on the electric guitar yeah. there um and uh yeah she 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 was like she was good oh yeah she yeah. was a good guitar player yeah, that's a player. very high
0: tempo song here uh, that uh, is going going yeah. So, yeah yeah
2: and and her singing is so um very rhythmic as well um in fact i what i what i forgot to say um when i was listening to her with Marie Knight, you know Marie Sings the more kind of <clears throat> downbeat um parts mm-hmm. to the song, and Sister Rosetta is much more rhythmic and um in her singing so that that's another reason it it's kind of a cool duet there um so she uh at uh in 1948 she moved to virginia and bought her first house in a middle class black neighborhood and she and her mother and marie lived there together they uh people called richmond virginia the harlem of the south because virginia had a a, a very big gospel tradition that um that actually rosetta couldn't find in new york city <clears throat> and they um they were specialized in these things called the jubilee quartets which were vocal harmony groups and church sanctioned for clean entertainment. Um, Rosetta worked with some of these quartets and in uh, 47, 48, she released three Deca 78s with a, a group of these Jubilee quartets, which was called the dependable boys, which is, isn't that an, uh kind of an exciting name for a no. band? The dependable no, 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 not at all. <laughs> <It's-> <laughs>
0: Great. You're dependable. That's fantastic. So I take it you you show up on time. Okay. That's good. That's, that's, (laughs) you you get a, you get a, you get a gold star for that. Okay. That's important. That's important. If you're a musician. (laughs) (laughs) What was, was the problem that at one point you were the independable boys and the (laughs) undependable boys, excuse me. uh, And
2: what is the what is the opposite of dependable? Not undependable. Uh, fly no, by de- night. No,
0: depend- It would be
2: dependent less.
0: You're... uh Now I need okay. to know. Hold on ne- a minute. Uh, oh. Uh,
1: now, oh, no. now we're gonna
0: look this up. Uh, oh, squirrel. Dependable.
2: <laughs> All right. While Christians looking up the opposite, the, yeah, antonym, the antonym for it's, it's dependable, unreliable, antonym, unreliable. Unreliable. Uh, yeah. That's what. That's what a real rock and roll yeah. band. The, the unreliable, unreliable
0: <laughs> right.
2: kids. Yeah. Dependables.
0: Yeah. So Dep- anyway, depends. Depends. Oh wait, those those are uh, incontinence uh, underwear. Right? That's we right. Don't, those are diapers. Uh, maybe that's what that was.
2: Maybe they were wearing adult diapers. Okay, that's Moving silly. On. That's Moving just on. silly. All right. So we're going to play a song called Little Boy, How Old Are You? The thing I really like about this song besides the dependable boys in the background is that not only the instruments and the and her guitar add rhythm to this, but as I was saying, her her vocal is so like has such jump and syncopation to it. It just like you can't really sit still, even though it's a religious song. You just kind of like have to um get into it. I find this to be one of the more exciting songs that she did just because i've I noticed that about it. I just kind of like tapping my foot and jumping up and down in my chair. um so see if it does that for you okay. too. that's uh... so we're going to listen to the um little boy, how old are you, with sister backed by the Dependable boys.
0: All right, uh, little boy. Hold
2: old
1: All you. All of you. the of and doctors stood in All they you. All of you. All of you. All they you. All of All
2: do it for you people i was like hopping in my seat um, here what do you think christian did you it, get a little was it, was rhythmic it my uh,
0: favorite um you know i think uh uh i think shout sister shout uh, i, I kind of like the backgrounds more with, uh, with that one but yeah. uh but it's cool it's a fun song it's uh yeah. upbeat and uh, uh i feel the spirit growing inside me with, with each, good, each good. song that we 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 grab here
2: Oh, maybe you'll be converted by the end of I mean, the day. They,
0: you know, my name is Christian, so it'd be pretty easy. That's true. So, <laughs> that's
2: true. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, by 1950, she and Marie had split, kind of temporarily. They got back together once in a while. Um, and uh, Rosetta employed... Um, some young women from the Richmond area who sang in this circuit called the Twilight Female Gospel Singers. Um, they had a lot of experience on, on the circuit and on the radio, and they sang with precision and purity like the angels in heaven, while Rosetta had an earthier sound. First she called them the Angelic Queens Choir, but later they were known it's the rosettes.
0: Mm. Mm. Now, Where did they that's get a that nice name? name from? It's like the icettes. I don't like know. Like the <laughs> icettes, the rosettes.
2: Yes. And they went on tour. Rosetta brought her own uh bought her own tour bus and put in um dressing rooms so the ladies could have a place to get all gussy. Oh up. very nice. And Actually, the bus helped a lot circumventing the difficulties of traveling as mixed races in the Jim Crow South because they did, there were some white Jubilee gospel groups also and they would tour with, with white groups as well. They had a white male bus driver who could help them kind of get around the Jim Crow uh, rules or you know laws in the South. Um, so, for example if they needed uh food he could go out and get them food and bring it back on the bus or you know fill it up at the gas station and not worry and they could stay on the bus and not have to worry about um you know which uh black only hotel they could stay at um and uh the black, the bus was a symbol of black female independence and um Actually, Rosetta's mother uh, lived with her and performed with her most of this time that we're talking that we've been talking about. And Mother Bell, as the, she was known, um, was both kind of a chaperone of the young people and also um, performed sometimes with Rosetta. So uh, I thought it would be fun to hear Mother Bell doing a duet with Rosetta and it's called a 99 and a half won't do. Mm. And um, you know, it's funny because Sam and Dave, you know, uh, Wilson Pickett, I think, did a song 99 and a half won't do, but it, it's, it's, I don't, I don't think it's the same song, but it's the same idea. You got to have a hundred 99 and a half won't do. So here's uh, Rosetta singing with her mother who had a much, uh, kind of a real, kind of a, a nasally uh, voice. And you can hear Rosetta kind of matching her mother's style, which clearly she did, you know, when she was a kid too, and falling, you know, really easily back into the style of her
0: mother. Oh.
2: Um, so this one is called 99 and a half
0: won't. All right, do let's do it. it.
2: yeah uh it's just not my favorite uh, my not my, uh, favorite. my husband hates when i put that on because i was like oh you know how wilson you know because he introduced yeah, me to and, wilson pickett and yeah. otis redding and everything and i said this is like the same song no. And i played it for him and he's
0: like no, no, no turn no, that
2: no, off no, yeah no.
0: <laughs> no katie bell um thank you for forgiving well, us uh sister rosetta thart but uh yeah
2: um yeah but as as the author said uh Katie had church she had power but she didn't have Rosetta's range or clarity and in concert she would draw this song out as long as she could she would just keep singing it and singing it and playing it um because she played the piano also and uh, she she squeezed out every last drop of holiness (laughs) (laughs) that she could so anyway that's a okay the next uh The next exciting thing that that Rosetta did to try to maintain her hold on her fame, because she was kind of going through a a little rocky period, you know, that, uh, you know, it's the 50s now, right? And uh, things are changing. So she, in 1950, um, she had, she got a new manager who uh, suggested that Rosetta stage a big wedding, like, get married and make it a big production. And they already chose a date. And all she had to do was she had seven months to go out and find a husband (laughs) or a potential husband. She'd already left the last guy. Like, this is her third, this is going to be her third Mm. marriage. Um, And uh, she found a guy named Russell Morrison. um, And he was uh, kind of a, a dandy he wasn't a musician, but he loved the life, and uh, many of her friends felt like he was marrying her for her mm, money, yeah. uh,
0: which um, was relatively
2: yeah. a lot, um, but, you know, they, they stayed together for a long time, and he traveled with her. Um, now, uh, the funny thing about this is, well, the, the, actually, the serious thing about this was that this was one of the precursors to Stadium Rock because they staged the wedding in a, a stadium in Richmond the Griffith stadium in 1951 and it was a phenomenal success they had hawkers selling you know um what you call it a uh, little uh, things you know like uh uh prayer books with rosetta's oh, pictures on merch them and,
0: yeah, yeah oh, merch. that's the word you're looking merch. for okay All right.
2: yeah and it was estimated that about 25,000 people attended.
0: Wow, that's and, a good and size they crowd. they even
2: like outdrew the home team, the, the baseball team that used to wow. play there, the mm. senators. Um, it was the best remembered concert of her career. And they had not just her performing at, after the wedding, but other gospel acts and the other people that, that performed were part of the wedding ceremony. And it was recorded. The whole thing was recorded, even the wedding. Ceremony. Oh, wow. And an a, a album was wow. made called The Wedding Ceremony of Sister Rosetta Tharp and Russell Morrison. And I thought we could listen to part of it because it was actually, you know, it wasn't a, a solemn occasion. No, it I'm was, sure it's not. Yeah. The preacher that they got was kind of a comedian, mm-hmm. and he, um, and you can tell when you're listening to the wedding ceremony that he was getting a lot of laughs.
0: <laughs> All right. Yeah, let's uh, okay. hear she so has a is,
2: of... This is uh, Rosetta taking her vows at the Griffith Stadium in
1: 1951. I, Rosetta. I, Rosetta. Take thee, Russell. Take thee, Russell. From our wedded husband. From our wedded husband. To have. To have. To, to hold. To hold. From this day forward. From this day forward. For better. For better. For worse. Or worse. For richness. For richness. For poor. For poor. In sickness. In sickness. And in health. And in health. To love. To love. To cherish. To cherish. And to obey. And to obey. To death do us part. Death do us part. According to God. According to God. Holy audience. Holy audience. I there too. I there too. Give thee. Give thee. My trap. My child. Do you have a ring, Russell?
0: Okay, not a song. Um that's a Pentecostal preacher ready to rock and roll. All right.
2: Yeah. And he's uh- I think he's alluding and people are laughing, you know, yeah. like he says, yeah. Russell, do you have yeah. the ring? And everybody do you have a ring. <laughs> you know, he keeps making jokes about, about their, their um, yeah. union. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And everybody thinks it's really funny. So this event succeeded in keeping her in the headlines, but it also compromised her standing as a legitimate artist because the people that didn't attend the concert kind of looked askance at it. Like, Oh, you're just doing this PR gimmicky, you know, bullshit. And, uh, you know, so it may have uh, helped her in the short run, but not in the long run.
0: Did she stay married to this guy?
2: Yeah, she did.
0: Oh, she did. So it was worthy of an entire album.
2: He may have, he kind of spent a lot of her money yeah. and everything, but he wasn't, uh, you know, I, there's nothing like, she doesn't have any scandals really, except for that she was married three times, which I suppose was allowed in the Pentecostal church. I'm not, I'm not a yeah. um, you, you, expert on the more. You,
0: uh, you weren't getting excommunicated for, uh, uh, for divorce, right?
2: Divorce. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She was, you know, she divorced. Yeah. yeah she cool. did the right thing. All right. So, you know, after this, um, as I kind of alluded to, it was the 1950s and she had to carve out a space amid a rapidly changing musical landscape with its bebop, r and and country music. So in 1952, she headed to Nashville, much like we're going to do in yeah. August. And, re- and she recorded with Red Foley, a white country singer who appealed to both blacks and whites. In fact, country or hillbilly as it was known then, and gospel were both Southern music, but had begun to separate along racial lines in the fifties. So before that there were Blacks, including Black people, including Ray Charles, who early in his career sang uh, a lot of country songs. But in the fifties, the marketing categories relegated Blacks to R&B, no matter what kind of music they performed but uh, country and gospel had a lot in common. Um, Well, one thing would be religion. Um, And Red and Rosetta were both, um, did I mention his? Yeah, Red, Red Foley and Rosetta were both big money makers for DECA. Duos were popular at the time, but not mixed race duos because a duet implied romantic intimacy. So this pairing was actually historical Deca didn't seem to know it at the time. Like this wasn't something that was done or else they just decided to go ahead and do Uh it anyway. Um, So um, Red Foley actually, um, Rosetta was a big fan of Red Foley. She liked country music. And um, so she did this uh, duet with him called have a little talk with Jesus. Um, And I think it's. I think it sounds pretty. Yeah, good. that sounds like um, a romantic general,
0: duet. Uh, you know,
2: no, that doesn't <laughs> sound like a d- romantic duet. You think? <laughs> Unless you're going to marry Jesus, but I mean, yes. whatever. Um, anyway, but um, <laughs> the general opinion afterwards, I didn't do very well because um, uh, the thought was that their voices were so different and their rhythm was so different um, that. Um, uh, it it didn't uh, people felt like it didn't really go over, and neither of them ever put it on one of their albums mm. for some reason. But it was significant because, uh, you know, it was a black woman and a white yeah. man doing a duet together in 1952. Very cool. So uh, this is called "Have a Little Talk with Jesus." I think it's a sweet song. Uh-huh. And uh,
1: let's listen to it. You will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. I was a wondering child. I wandered from the fold till I heard my Savior call me in a song. I fell on my knees in prayer and Jesus met me there. And just a little talk with Jesus made me whole have a little talk with Jesus and just tell him all about your trouble trouble. he will hear your faithful cry he will answer by and by by. when you feel a little little fire will turn then you You know know a little fire is burning burning. you will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right
0: Okay, now we're back. Uh, you know, after ninety nine and a half, which I don't <laughs> and In the wedding ceremony. Um, okay,
2: I think it, I like the yeah, song, and and her. I love and red. Red you sounds You can hear good. her electric yeah. guitar. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. But I do hear that he's she's always a little behind the beat because that's the way she <clears throat> yeah, sings. Yeah. You know, but I think it makes it it spices up his. Yeah. <laughs> This yeah, delivery yeah, yeah, he's straight you know? and
0: know white yeah yeah and anytime you get uh you know uh black and white artists working together especially at, at that time you know that's a, right that's a big plus so um yeah, I, yeah. I the song. that was cool
2: yeah i like i like it i mean i'm gonna listen to this whole playlist over and over i feel car. like i
0: feel like i'm on a reaction uh video here like first time you know first time listening to oh like, like the, the twins tw- you know, i mean some of these guys like first time I, I saw one today where first guy, first time guys listening to the Rolling Stones. And I'm like, what? How does somebody escape the Rolling Stones for 30 years of their life? They're young. Aren't well, they they're young? Kids, the kids, the guy's probably 30-ish or late 20s or something oh, oh. like that. So yeah, not not the twins. I'm thinking not of just twins. The twins. No, there's a not whole the but there's like a whole it's a whole cottage industry now of uh, reaction videos.
2: Oh, I can't I can't watch anybody else but, but oh. Twins. Uh Twins the New Trend. Yeah. I think yeah, it's called
0: yeah. yeah. It's it's a banger. It's a banger.
2: <laughs> All right. So she did this uh thing with the country yeah, guy. Red Foley. Um uh, but but Red Foley. Hmm? The yeah, R- Red Foley. Um, and uh, but no, none of these partnerships really uh, put her back into the level of fame she used to enjoy. So Decca was um, getting into R&B and they wanted Rosetta to do an R&B song, a secular song. So um, they, uh, she got, because Ray, like, as you mentioned, Ray Charles had gone from religious to secular with I got a woman. Right. That was his first breakout from the religious, you know, um rut he was in and he got he he, he got rich from that. So they were like Rosetta, come on. Let's get with the times, you know? <clears throat> so she did cut one R&B single called Don't Leave Me Here to Cry and um apparently it didn't do well and she wasn't happy with it and other people weren't happy with it either. Um, you can, you can tell when you first start hearing it, yes, it's different. It's got more of a kind of a swanky sexy feel Mm -hmm. to it. Um, but she was less convincing singing pitifully about romance than enthusiastically about the glory of God. (laughs) Um not only didn't the single do well but it didn't draw the young R&B fans because she's yeah, 40 right. by now. So, you know, she's a little old to get in on the youth market. Yeah, the
0: next iteration um, of and, uh, music which is now becoming rock and Yeah, roll.
2: and the teen yeah. <laughs> the whole teen thing was becoming a, th- you know, this like they were becoming a demographic oh, yeah. oh, that yeah. had yep. to be paid attention to and listened yep. to. Um yeah, so Uh, As the author said, she was overshadowed by the very force of rock and roll music she had helped unleash upon the world. So in 1956, she issued a press release announcing her intentions of returning to religious music and devoting all her time to religious music. So she kind of ping pongs back and forth, as well as straddling, you know, both. Reminds
0: me of uh, Um, Little Richard. He uh, did that himself, you know, uh, with struggle uh to you know whether he <clears throat> was uh, part of the priesthood and and would you know shun secular music or you know come back and forth uh, uh it, it yeah was, um, i i can understand why that is a complicated relationship uh if you will yeah
2: and i think um yeah especially in the um, black community mm-hmm. there was a real schism between uh the secular and the religious music you couldn't you know, uh, apparently, families were actually broken up by by people by youth that went into the secular music market instead of staying in the religious mm-hmm. market. So, um, but luckily for Rosetta, um, the Europe uh, Europe was really um, uh, fond of blues music. <laughs> That's not the right word. Fond. They were going crazy for blues. They loved it.
0: They couldn't get enough of it. it.
2: Right. Yes. In 1957, which was an amazing year because that was the year I was born. That's the reason for it. She was, uh, yeah, yes. She toured, uh, Europe for the first time with, uh, Chris Barber's band. He was, a um, was an English, uh, uh, Blues band and um, or jazz band, they toured for three weeks in twenty cities. The enthusiasm of audiences rejuvenated her spirits. Black musicians experienced much better treatment in Europe than in the States. They were paid promptly in cash. They were welcomed at hotels and restaurants, and even though there was still some racism, musicians were free from the insidious insults of Jim Crow. The press showered Black Americans with attention, while in the US, the white newspapers would not cover Black gospel yeah. at all. And there was a whole industry in Britain that supported the blues with record labels, tours, music journals, and homegrown bands. As we know, many of our um, early British uh, music, you know, rock musicians were totally inspired by the blues and by jazz, including you know Keith Richards and Brian Jones and Eric Clapton. Um, but in this incarnation, Rosetta was performing with an all white band for white audiences, which was a different experience wow. for her. Um, the audiences, in fact, had to be encouraged to clap and to find the backbeat and to shout out, et cetera. So she spent a lot of time like teaching the audiences how they were supposed to respond, <laughs> um, to, you know, help her, you know, get excited. Um, so uh, we're gonna play a live recording of her with the Chris Barber band. And the uh, um, the song is called "Peace in the Valley," which was a song that she dedicates uh, to Red Foley, yep, who we heard just a bit ago, was yep. one yep. of her, you know, her um, favorite musicians. And um, she she starts it out though saying, "I'd like you to sit quietly and receive it," but then she goes on to to turn it into a like a kind of a gospel revival uh-huh. meeting. So I think she was a little like Kind of tweaking them and having a little fun with them because she knew she was going to get them on their feet. By the time she got to the third repetition of the chorus, she launched into a glorious series of improvisational flights. And you can hear at the end, I'm going to start like in the middle with this one and play to the end because the response of the audience is powerful. And um, this is uh, in English. All right, let's do it. Oh, this is called Peace in the Valley. At home,
0: yeah.
2: the black press was very impressed with uh, Rosetta's uh, success mm-hmm. in Europe, and they started, um, you know, paying more attention to her uh, and giving her more uh, more coverage. And this overcame the gospel words, world's disaffection with her deviation into R&B. Mm-hmm. I mean, people wouldn't forgive her for that. For that. For going, back, for going into R&B. Um, so uh, after her return from Europe, she was able to get more gigs during her comeback years of 1957 to 59. And by 1960, she was busier than ever and revisited Europe several times. Her career was relatively pop- prosperous in the 60s. And um, she in 64, in she went back to Britain with the American Folk Blues and Gospel Caravan. Um, with including Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee and Otis Otis Spann, the piano player, Muddy Waters, um, and at the end of the tour, this, this is something that if you if you go if you go to YouTube and you put in Sister Rosetta Tharp, this will probably show up. This is one of the I think this is the first video I ever saw of her, which um, the British uh, TV. Did a truncated version of the tour that they were on and filmed it um, and called it the Blues and Gospel Train. And they used a defunct radio station turned into half Hollywood, half Disneyland fantasy of a deep south railroad depot. Uh, so you I've, can seen the, find I've seen the videos on, of this. Yeah. Yeah. Of her standing at the edge of a train track. When I first yeah, saw what, it, I was why like, what they, the hell is she I, doing on here, a train yeah. track? Yeah. So that, that was a stage uh, set that they had, um, you know, they built around this defunct railroad station and, um, and it actually started raining just as she got on station. She's wearing this huge white, like, uh, calf length, um, coat and high heels and out there with her white Gibson electric guitar playing, um, and one of the songs she sang was Didn't It Rain, which we heard her sing already with Marie. And um, so I thought we could play um, a bit of the song Trouble in Mind, which was the second song that she sang. And um, the uh, she had to, like, in this video, you can see her trying to get the audience to clap right. <laughs> and um and one of the comments i saw at on the youtube video was uh, that is the worst clapping i've ever heard in my life <laughs> so this is, um Rosetta Gamely, you know telling the audience that she loves her british fr- fans and you know but let's let's get it together and do uh, this do this right, do this right.
0: right. all right so, let's do it
2: okay so this is trouble in mind and um at the at the Railroad Depot.
1: I'm going down to New Orleans. I'm going to give that all. Na, 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 call. You know what I'm going to tell him? I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Because.
0: a question that i've always had when i've seen that is i mean i knew it was fake but it also seemed very real so it was a real railroad station uh chorton chorton uhville uh, yeah. Chorten, Chorten, uh, Ville, uh <laughs> I, it was chorton in outside of manchester so it was on chorton outside of manchester but they called it chortonville to give to, to, to get chortonsville uh <laughs> to, it, uh, to mad madam, uh to uh, <laughs> uh, uh to give it uh that southern railroad feel feel i guess um and uh a lot of big names on there muddy waters and uh people like that um we're on yeah. uh, that for a, a television special that uh, Granada Television yeah. did for the BBC. I'm sure it was on the BBC at the time, 1964. Very cool, very interesting. Uh, but uh, now, now I understand. Although the audience is a mile away, and yes, they clap horribly. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's because it's they were like, a mile away. One, yeah.
2: two, three, yeah. four. Yeah, one, yeah. two, yeah. Three. And now where okay. was the
0: microphone? I can't find. I can't see the microphone, and you can hear her cl- playing. No, as, as
2: somebody on on YouTube commented that like she was singing so far from the microphone that she must have such a strong voice. And I went back and looked at the video and I was like, where is the microphone? Yeah. I think, I think they have a couple of them hanging yeah. uh, yep. from the,
0: it must be, be. must, be. must be. Oh, very cool. All right. Yeah.
2: She liked to move around yeah, too. Yeah. So she's so a she good uh,
0: stage persona. Uh, you know, she's selling it yeah. and you know, yes, she's trying to get yeah. the audience to clap in time, but good now, luck some with people
2: that. say yeah. that. she that she inspired Chuck Berry's duck walk because she did that thing where she'd go sideways Mm -hmm. and kind of like, um, hitch a, you know, hit your hips and her feet down the stage. And while she was playing the guitar, um, yeah, in the, in the sixties, which we're entering now, um, she, she did both, uh, some TV shows when there was a TV show called TV gospel time where they used to go and, around the country and bring big name gospel uh voices to choirs gospel choirs in different cities and then show it on tv and there's um also if you hit youtube there's um some some video of her with her little her white curled wig on and her what looks like a a house dress (laughs) and you know and and she's like really um really getting into it and really you know banging on that yep, guitar it's yep, really yeah yeah so um in uh in the 60s also she she made her living not only with tv but with the european and and american festival circuit like the newport jazz festival in 67 the copenhagen jazz festival the american folk blues festival so she became a on the festival circuit mm-hmm. and um it was while touring in Paris in 1970 that she started feeling ill and experiencing numbness in her hands and arms. She didn't know she had diabetes until she had a stroke in Switzerland. Apparently diabetes, uh, hits, uh, especially, um, black females at a much higher rate than the rest of the population. And, um, it uh, took a gangrenous ulcer on her foot to seek treatment because, you know, as a religious person, she wasn't quite in step with the modern medicine. It was kind of like, God will, you know, heal me. Uh, but her her friends urged her to get treatment, um, but it was already too late and they had to amputate her Ugh. leg. Uh, it just reminds me of Bob yeah. Marley and his melanoma. Mm-hmm. Um, This was a big blow since, like I said, she loved to move around while she was performing. um, And uh, she actually continued performing while seated or even standing and hopping. I don't think she had a a prosthesis um, because she couldn't contain her need to move. Her last public appearance was on July 26, 1972 at the Lincoln Center. It was part of a 12 day festival called Soul at the Center, which is a a festival of black arts in the hallowed hall of high culture. For Rosetta, it was a public acknowledgement of her status as a living gospel legend. And it took her from full circle, took her full circle from Hammond's, from spirituals to swing at Carnegie Hall, 34 years earlier. Since the earlier concert, Black music had moved culturally from the margins to the center, thanks to musicians like Mm -hmm. Rosetta. She had popularized the music they were celebrating in 1972 and had infused her spirit directly or indirectly into rock and roll and um, into the rock and roll of Chuck Berry and the rockabilly sounds of Elvis. She was also excited about plans to get into the studio again and was to start... On um, October third, nineteen seventy-three, but the date was postponed until October eighth. Yet on that morning, she suffered a massive stroke oh. and was at the hospital, where she was left in a public ward. And her friends came to her side, and you know, uh, demanded. She had a, a white, the white producer who was going to record her album came. was trying to get the staff to give her more attention, fearing that she would be among the legions of black people who were not given um, good medical attention. But she never emerged from her diabetic coma. She died, um, I guess, shortly thereafter. um, And unfortunately did not have a majestic funeral probably because her husband was a penny pincher and wanted to save the money for himself. Mm. That was a theory anyway. She didn't have the kind of funeral that Mahalia Jackson had, for example. Um, And Even though it was a a respectable funeral, it was a decrescendo ending for a woman who had lived life in a grand dom manner and who had prided herself on putting on a good Mm -hmm. show. Um, So uh, her legacy, she took the gospel blues and made the bridge of a song, the height of its spiritual and emotional intensity. I like that. that was apparently not done, you know, so much before she did it, which was like really rip it out, you know, in the solo part and um, you know bring the excitement up uh, for the song. Um, whenever a rock or gospel or rhythm and blues musician turns the amps up, we're in the living presence of Rosetta, who made a habit of playing as loud as she could. <laughs> based on the Pentecostal belief that the Lord smiled on those who made a joyful noise. Mm. And as, um, as Rosetta herself said, all this new stuff they call rock and roll. Why I've been playing that for years now. (laughs) So she really got, you know, that, um, the, the, the rock and roll that had been developing was something that she, Influenced, and that she already had her pulse yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> I finger think we all agree on.
0: that um, yeah. she definitely uh, helped, uh, you know, birth this new music that uh, came to prominence uh, in the late 50s and, uh, you know, uh, then went on to way bigger things.
2: Yeah, and um, the author ends the book with a kind of a query into, you know, this, like, there were many black mus- uh, women musicians and singers who just ha- haven't been given their just dues. And, um, and now uh, we have, we do have women guitar players like Brittany Howard and Bonnie Raitt, you know, Lita Ford, Nancy Wilson, Barbara Lynn, who is a black woman who is still alive. And I saw a video of her doing some really ripping guitar work, um, back in the, you know, R and B like the back in the fifties or Mm sixties. Um, and so she, she did give women, uh, you know, the courage to get out there and play, you know, not just sing, but play. Um, not that singing is great too, you know, you know, I think that, but, um, yeah just to be to to get in there with the boys and be musicians that ha- that need to be respected and um you know applauded for their oh, without work.
0: doubt yeah it's uh yeah you know like we said it's glad she's in the rock hall uh now she's getting some attention uh she is going to play a part <clears throat> in the new uh big uh um tom hanks uh, elvis uh biopic that they're doing uh She's oh, been in that. So, cause as we know, she influenced Elvis, uh, along with all those early guys. And, um, yeah. so yeah, and I'm, I'm glad uh, you were able to find a book, uh, to, uh, to, uh, uh, bring her to, uh, to this audience. And, uh, we got to expose quite a few songs to everybody. So,
2: yeah, I learned so much. From this book, you know, like I said, I'd I'd seen a couple videos of her, but I yeah
0: same here. You know, and I love gospel uh, music, as you
2: know, so I'm just like super excited to have discovered her and have her in my playlist because she really gets me moving. I wrote on Twitter, Sister Rosetta Tharp is my higher power.
0: Very nice, very nice. (laughs) So I take it the book you liked the book.
2: I did. I really liked it, and I really liked listening to you know choosing the songs and and one of the best things about this job is immersing myself in the musician that i'm reading about and you know just listening to everything i can over and over and really getting a feel yeah um for the mm-hmm. person so um i thought we'd end with a song that um that kind of to me um Uh, brings her spirit to like, she may be dead, but she's not gone. And it's called, can't no grave hold my body down. (laughs) And I know it's about Jesus, Jesus's resurrection. But to me, it's like, you can't hold me down. You know, you put, I'm in the grave, but I'm still alive. Well, let's let's let everybody uh,
0: leave with that. And uh, what's next?
2: Um i don't know i'm 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 uh uh watching this guy called uh rock and roll books on Instagram and he posts books every day about a different artist and I was thinking, you know I might wanna read a book about buddy Holly oh okay. just to totally change Why directions you not? know well yeah. um but i don't know i'm i'm uh uh yeah i'm i'm just um uh you know kind of weighing my options. And I wanted to remind people that you can, um, you can find me on Twitter. I think uh, it's Sorensen Shelley. And also on Facebook, I have a rock and roll librarian page. If you want to message me um, there. I got a message from a woman in Mexico that wants to do a similar kind of podcast, but with Mexican bands and asked me for some advice. So that was really oh, cool. Bet. Um, I'm also on SoundCloud. If anybody, I've been doing a lot of recording, a oh, little, a little recording with some friends remotely. Mm-hmm. And, um, I have a, a couple things, new things on SoundCloud that I'm uh, rather proud. Well, of.
0: hopefully this is our last zoom session and we can get back into the studio, uh, uh, with the next, uh, 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 the next episode of uh, Rock and Roll Librarian. So let's let everybody go and uh, leave them with uh, Can't No Grave Hold My Body Down. We'll see you next time.
2: Bye, everyone.
1: Can't No Grave Hold My Body Down. Out of the ground, I can't no grief uh, hold my body down. It was only one morning, just about the break of day, the angel came from glory and rolled the stone away. But when the women came alone and they found that the savior was gone, you know, can't no, care, no Hold my party down Rock and Roll Librarian Produced and hosted by Christian Swain
0: Co-host, Shelley Sorensen All sound design and incidental music by Jerry Danielson All quotes performed by actors unless noted Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com
1: Or wherever you listen to great podcasts